Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. So I was looking through my newspaper this morning to see a story about Democrats passing their infrastructure legislation, and there is a picture of a couple lawmakers standing outside the Capitol, and almost front and center is a very tired, very cold-looking Nicholas Wu. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> is, it, is it weird knowing that at any moment uh, you, a photo of you could be published? Yeah, you know, that's just kind of a fact of life of working around the Capitol. Yeah, yeah. The House has voted on something. Thing, and the news more specifically is they have finally passed the bipartisan infrastructure bill. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today I'm Nicholas Wu and I'm a congressional reporter at Politico. One down, one to go. Nicholas Wu on the late night passage of the bipartisan infrastructure bill and what's next for Build Back Better. So I am going to try and ask this question in the most uh, non-mocking way I can. How was your Friday night? It was long. <laughs> <laughs> it started like you know many other Fridays in, in Congress over the past uh, few months. Democratic leaders came in um, projecting confidence about passing the infrastructure bill and you know advancing the uh, the, the social spending bill forward, but. Now, around mid-morning, things started to go off the rails. There was a key group of House moderates um, who didn't want to move forward on the social spending bill without an assessment from the Congressional Budget Office. We had hoped to be able to bring both bills to the floor today. Uh, some members want more uh, clarification or validation of numbers that have been put forth, that it, it's top line, that it is fully paid for, and uh, we honor that request. As things went on, then, uh, you know, there, there was a roadblock on the other side of the uh, of, of the left. The progressives then um, didn't want to move forward on the infrastructure bill without any sort of assurance that, that you know the social spending bill was going to move at all. So uh, throughout the day, we just ended up at this huge impasse. And um, you know, a, as a reporter, there's just a whole lot of waiting around trying to figure out what exactly is happening, uh, who is going where, who's talking to who, and uh, and accidentally ending up in pictures. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, waiting outside at eleven at night for lawmakers, and yeah, sending up in pictures. <laughs> so we we had the standoff all day, and the the TLDR of that is that. Eventually, around dinner time, uh, there started to be some sort of consensus coming out. So basically, earlier in the day, the Congressional Black Caucus, this you know, hugely influential uh, group of black lawmakers, had pitched this plan to House leadership wherein they would vote on the infrastructure bill and then the rule, this procedural vote uh, for the social spending bill without the social spending bill itself. And, and as the Black Caucus saw it, this was a way to break the impasse. You could show that you were making progress on the social spending bill without alienating the moderate who wanted uh, the cost assessment. And this way you could also get the infrastructure bill forward. Hmm. Progressives didn't like that. Progressives wanted some sort of assurance from moderate lawmakers that they would, in fact, uh, support the social spending bill whenever it came up, uh, you know, in the next few weeks. And so there was back and forth and back and forth over this. Uh, progressive lawmakers went and huddled in their own for hours, um, you know, munching on pizza and trying to figure out where to go next. President of the United States actually called into their meeting at one point uh, to try to convince them to move forward. And, uh, you know, around the time when that picture of me that you mentioned was taken, uh, this is when we finally started to see some movement that could, uh, you know, push it all forward. Uh -huh. as, as we got closer to midnight, 
um, there was this statement from the moderates that was released saying that they would, in fact, support the social spending bill um, in, in a few weeks, as long as there was some sort of information, some sort of cost assessment, um, if not a full score, as it's called, from the Congressional Budget Office. And uh, around the same time, you also had a statement come up from the progressives saying that they would, in fact, uh, let the infrastructure bill go forward and that they would uh, support the procedural vote on the social spending plan, even if the whole bill uh, weren't there yet. And so this finally broke the logjam. And then you saw these bills pass uh, pretty late in the night. Okay, so after all of this back and forth between moderates and progressives, they come to this deal. They officially pass the bipartisan infrastructure package. So it's now made it through both chambers of Congress. It's it's a thing. And then they also pass a rule basically like promising to come back to the bigger democratic social spending package, which would be passed along party lines and be a huge part of, of President Biden's agenda. I want to talk about the implications of both of those. Let's start with the thing that actually made it through Congress now, the bipartisan infrastructure package. What exactly is in that? How is that going to affect everyday people? So the bill that passed on Friday night, the infrastructure bill, um, it's about roughly $550 billion in new infrastructure spending. And this is, you know, what uh, kind of transportation people call like hard infrastructure. So this is the roads and bridges and tunnels and transit part of the whole equation. And so, you know, there's billions of dollars in funding um, to upgrade transit and, and bridges and uh, you know, even Amtrak gets a windfall from this, and and this will allow Amtrak to complete a lot of its long uh, delayed projects that they that they haven't been able to get to because of lack of funding. And so that money will start going out, and and we'll see what happens from there. What about the other package, the big Democratic priority social spending package? Um, they've agreed to move forward with it. What? At this point, because I know it, it sort of seems like it's changing a lot. What at this point do we know is in that package and what will happen next with it? Well, nothing's final until it's final. But right now, uh, that package goes over to the Senate. And, uh, and you know, th- there could be a little bit of change to the bill over there. Um, certain portions of the bill have not yet been run by the Senate parliamentarian, the the, you know, the rules referee, basically, mm-hmm. of the Senate. Um let alone the fact that you know Senator Joe Manchin, a key moderate, um, you know, doesn't necessarily support the inclusion of everything that's in there. But what we do know is that there are some um, big chunks of the bill that will likely stay in there, and that's everything from a deal um, to address uh, you know high prescription drug costs. There's uh, money, billions of dollars to address climate change. There's universal pre-K is is part of the whole equation. And so while other parts of it, like immigration, Democrats included protections for undocumented immigrants in the bill or paid family leave, um, those might be on the chopping block in the Senate. Uh, but you know we'll see how that plays out in the next few weeks. What are you going to be watching for in the next few weeks? Like what could sort of make or break this legislation or who or what could could stand in the way of this becoming a reality? There's going to be a little bit of a lull in this over the next week since Congress is out. Hmm. But we have kind of a running joke uh, that we have the kind of mansion meter, if, you, if, you, if you've looked at Congress <laughs> minutes at all. And it's, it's, you know, trying to assess where uh, Senator Joe Manchin is on any given day. And I think that's hmm. a key thing to watch as this bill goes over to the Senate. Um, Manchin has said that he doesn't want paid family leave to be in this bill. But, you know, how firmly does he actually put his foot down on that? So last week was a kind of 
political whirlwind. Um, early in the week, there was the election, less than ideal results in Virginia, some problematic numbers for Democrats in New Jersey. But then on Friday, as you're watching, the week is capped off with Biden's huge domestic agenda, getting one step closer, one big step closer to becoming reality. What do you think the party is thinking right now? Is it like, damn, we should have done this sooner. Damn, we shouldn't have done this on a Friday night when no one's watching. Or is it like, damn, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's kind of all of the above. I mean, members of Congress would always love for everything they do to happen in prime time, you know, when mm-hmm. uh, people would be reading it and uh, watching it you know, when they're most paying attention. Um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, this didn't pass, of course, until late Friday night. And this was after the elections on Tuesday. And uh, there, there probably is some element of this that can be chalked up to, uh, you know, the Virginia elections kind of spurring action on these uh, bills. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, for, for months and months and months, you had fairly fruitless negotiations between these different factions of Democrats about uh, how to move forward on these, what exactly to put in the social spending bill and what order would they even go in? They couldn't necessarily um, uh, come to a final agreement on. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the, the Tuesday elections uh, were really a wake-up call for a lot of Democrats. And you had folks from Virginia, for example, who became quite vocal advocates uh, for bringing the bills up finally. And, and I think that's a lot of what we saw here. And, and as Democrats see it, finally getting these bills through uh, will give them, well, assuming that the social spending bill comes through, um, will give them potentially something to run on next year, which is a, which is a key thing for a lot of Democrats. Nicholas Wu, thanks so much for talking with me. Thank you, Jeremy. Also today, Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm says President Biden is considering tapping into the nation's strategic petroleum reserve amid rising crude oil prices. And in an interview with CNN on Sunday, Granholm said Biden is, quote, looking at all the tools that he has to address high prices at the pump, including tapping into the U.S. oil reserves. Gas prices are the highest in years as the economy recovers from the lows of the pandemic faster than fuel makers can ramp up their output. Though presidents have little to no control over gas prices, Republicans are increasingly hammering Biden for the rise at the pump. And Surgeon General Vivek Murthy is defending the Biden administration's workplace rules on vaccine mandates after a federal court blocked a new Occupational Safety and Health Administration policy, citing historical precedents dating back to George Washington during the American Revolution. Murthy said President Biden had faith in both the legality of the mandate and the effectiveness of the requirements. The OSHA mandate, which would compel businesses with at least 100 employees to require the COVID vaccine for workers or test employees on a weekly basis, has drawn legal challenges from more than half of the states. Today's episode included music composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to subscribe to Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet. And if you can, leave us a rating and review. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.